At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Ghost Cast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Pierce, and now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And we've got a tremendous podcast for you guys. Today is another one of our conference previews. We are feeling patriotic and we are feeling very American. So we are going to be going to the American Athletic Conference today. Joining me in segment number two, a man that used to play his college basketball over at Central Florida, Mike O'Donnell. He does an amazing job taking a look at the American and really just all of college basketball's video breakdowns that he posts up on his Twitter page at MOD, the number four, and then the word three. Does great work there over at ESPN and CBS Sports. You're going to catch him on a bunch of broadcasts throughout the entirety of the season. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be breaking down these 11 rosters, the coaching staffs, all the movement that we saw in the offseason. Here in segment number one, I'm going to give you guys just some of the betting trends and the styles of play that we see in general from the American. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys my projector finish for the American Conference ranking all the teams 1 through 11. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Since I'm doing a conference preview today, any news that we saw in college basketball on Thursday, and we did see a few tidbits, those are going to be polished up on the podcast tomorrow. Formalities are done. Now let's get down to it. Let's take a look at an American that I think has a top three team in the preseason in Houston. We'll obviously be diving into that more throughout the podcast, but Houston has really owned this conference all throughout. This is one of the most soul-crushing defenses you're going to find in all of college basketball. The defense in this conference is one of the best that you're going to find in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, Tulane, with giving up 71.7 points per contest, the only team in the conference last year that gave up more than 71 points per contest, and the only other team that gave up more than 70 was East Carolina. Now, East Carolina gone through a little bit of a coaching change. We are going to be seeing some coaching changes with Tulsa bringing in Eric Conkle as well. SMU saw Tim Jankovic step down, so we are seeing a little bit of movement in terms of coaching front, but these are very defense-oriented teams as scoring can sometimes be a little bit more at a premium. Memphis is a team that plays very harebrained, and we're going to run through a little bit of just what you could expect in general in terms of pace of play because obviously Houston is one of those top teams. I still remember a few years ago they were in the top 20 
in terms of possessions per game. Last year, a little bit of a fall, but this is still a Memphis team that they're willing to go out, they're willing to play with their hair on fire, and they certainly are going to be pushing the issue with them. They were ranked 59th in the country, as a matter of fact, last season in terms of total possessions on a per-game basis. Tulane is a team that typically is going to push the tempo as well with Tulane last season. Among your 358 D1 teams, they were 96 in terms of possessions per game. I do think that Tulsa probably going to see a little bit of a bump. 246th last season under coach and Frank Haith that typically did not have a lot of offense with Eric Conkle. He comes in from Louisiana Tech, who was 131st. So I do expect to see a little bit of a bump, but you do have a lot of slower, more methodical teams in this conference. Temple, for example, they are probably not going to be pushing the issue too much. They were 207th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. South Florida especially. South Florida is a team that they very much do hang their head on defense. 296th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Central Florida was down a little bit last season. I do think that they are going to be probably playing right around this tempo of about 185th, but they're a team that's a little bit of a chameleon. Sometimes they'll play a little bit faster. Back when they had someone like Italico Fall, they were willing to play a little bit slower as well, but you've got a lot of teams in this conference of which they are going to be willing to play a little bit more of a defense-oriented style. East Carolina, I do think, is going to be the most intriguing team just because they've got a little bit of a newer coaching staff. They were 132nd last season, but in terms of this conference, one thing that really did elude them, and part of it is due to great defense like Houston year in and year out. They're in the top 20 in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. And they have ranked, I believe, in the top eight in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis in four out of the last five seasons. I mean, this team just completely swallows you up. As a matter of fact, they have ranked in the top 15 nationally in points allowed on a per-possession basis in each out of the last three seasons and in the top three in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage each out of the last four. So that speaks to just how good that defense is. So naturally, that is going to bring down quite a few of the offensive numbers. But 358th out of 358 D1 teams last season in terms of three-point shooting percentage with South Florida. It was a very, very sad and well, shall we say, not so terrific state of affairs there. And then you had other teams that struggled not quite to that extent in this conference, like Temple, for example. They were a team that they were outside the top 250 in terms of three-point shooting percentage last season. East Carolina, they were just a little bit all over the place. They actually got off to a nice start to the season, shooting the three ball, and then things went straight down the toilet bowl from there. Cincinnati under a little bit of a regime change under Wes Miller. They clearly need to find a couple shooters. They were 281st in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Central Florida last season was able to do a solid job of being able to bomb it from three-point range out of your 358-81 teams. They were 92nd, but still, they are going to be losing some of those pieces from last season as well. And Wichita State was a team that was a little bit over the place as well. A team that they played a little bit faster last season, did a solid job on defense. On offense, they left something to be desired. 290th in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage, and that bears out in terms of betting trends as well. I mentioned how Houston is just so good on defense. Since you had Kelvin Sampson take over the program during the 2014-15 season, they are the third best cover team in all of college basketball. 143, 104, and 5 against the spread. And if you take out his first year, they are the number one cover team in all of college basketball since the 2015-16 season. And that includes Bellarmine, who's only been at the D1 level for two years. 
128.95 since year number two of the Calvin Sampson regime. This is a Houston team that year in and year out, they absolutely crush teams as a favorite as well. There is nothing more dangerous than Houston as a double-digit favorite because they just beat you down time and time again. It is incredible what this Houston team has been able to accomplish. And if you take a look at Houston against ranked teams since the beginning of the 2015-16 season, their track record of success is relatively solid as well as in this time span. Our good friends Houston Cougars, 16-11. and 11 against the spread in those big giant step-up games. But if you're taking a look at the American in general and what we saw last season, shock, shock, surprise, surprise, it was another very solid season for our good friends, the Houston Cougars. But you did have a few other teams that were able to make you some money as Houston at 25 and 13. Not only were they the best team in the American, they were quite frankly one of the best cover teams in all of college basketball, but Tulane, a Tulane Green Wave team that they were oftentimes finding themselves as underdogs in a lot of these games. They went 18-11 and 11 against the spread. Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Wichita State, they all had rough seasons. Wichita State, 11-17 and 17 against the spread. Cincinnati, 11-18-3 and 3 against the spread. Central Florida, 11-19 and 19 against the spread. All three teams did have their deficiencies on offense and mainly those teams that were able to do a solid job in offense, they were able to bear fruits with that. Memphis finished 17-15-1 against the spread, and what I do find to be very fascinating about this Memphis team is that if you date it back since the beginning of the 2018-19 season, under Penny Hardaway, this has been one of the best underdog cover teams in all of college basketballs. Memphis is 19-13 and 13 against the spread in that time span, so they've actually been able to do a relatively rock-solid job, and if you want to go since the beginning of the 2019-20 season, they're 13-4 and four against the spread. Among all teams that have found themselves as an underdog in at least 13 games in that time span, that is the third-best mark in all of college basketball. Penny Hardaway has actually done a very solid job as an underdog, and if you take a look at the American in general, over the last three seasons, you've had quite a few teams be very solid as underdogs. The one team that has not been able to come through is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, as a matter of fact, by the way, over the last four seasons, they are in the bottom five in like darn near every against the spread category that you are going to find. We're going to date it back since the beginning of the 2018-19 season. This is a Cincinnati Bearcats bunch that against the spread, 44-72 and four against the spread. That is a cover rate. This is all game, so there is no special splits or anything like that. They have covered 37.9% of their games. That's as a matter of fact dead last in all of college basketball. Your next lowest team is Cal State Bakersfield covering 39.4% of their games and every other team in college basketball over that time span, they have been able to cover at least 40% of their games. So I do find it to be very fascinating that you've got some clear outliers in terms of teams that are able to make you money, teams that are able to miss you money and then when it came to what we saw during the 2021-22 season as well, Temple was able to be very solid as well. 17-12 and 12 against the spread. Khalif Battle went down, and because of that, that really plummeted the numbers of Temple. Temple was still very solid on defense, just a team that didn't put the ball in the basket very much, so we'll get into the total splits in a minute. But when it comes to the American, what you're also going to find in this conference is that it is a very spread out conference because you've got schools in the state of Florida, you've got schools in the state of Texas, and then you go up to the great state of Pennsylvania in terms of this conference. So travel, it is not for the meek. And you did see Temple be by far the best cover team at home at 10 and 4 against the spread. Wichita State, South Florida, they both had a tough time covering games at home. 6-11 and 11 against the spread, 6-10 and 10 against the spread. It was just really based on 
the team itself, the teams that were really able to lock down, play some solid defense. Aside from Tulane, who went 8-5 against the spread at home, they were really able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, more of your mediocre defenses, they had a little bit of a tougher time being able to cover those games at home. On the road, it was a relative split as well. You had Memphis and Tulsa go 3-8 and against the spread on the road. Cincinnati 3-7-1 against the spread on the road. Meanwhile, Tulane was your best road cover team at 7-4 against the spread. And East Carolina 6-3 against the spread. You were noticing that much of the best teams against the spread on the road were the teams that were getting points in a lot of these spots. So a lot of these lesser teams because it was a fairly equal conference aside from what you had out of Houston. And when it comes to a totals perspective... From the American last season, lots and lots of unders. And one team that was able to make you some solid coin if you were betting on them to the over two lane. A team that really did a good job of bombing it from three-point range, as I laid out a few minutes ago. 17 overs, 12 unders, and then you did have East Carolina at 16 overs, 14 unders. Those were the only two teams that you could have made money on if you bet every game to the over. Because you did have Memphis and Tulsa play right around 51.5% of their games to the over, but on a minus 110 spread. You have to have 52.38% in order to be able to make you money, but... Every other team in the conference was able to make you money if you bet them to the under. Cincinnati, 15 overs to 17 unders. Central Florida, 14 overs to 16 unders. You had a lot of teams that were sort of in that neighborhood, like Wichita State played 57% of their games to the under. Houston, 22 unders to 16 overs, but your big two outliers, Temple, the Cleef battle injury, that played a lot to do with it. Bookmakers were unable to shade down their totals until it was too late, 11 overs to 18 unders, and then South Florida, who once again, Dead last in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Nine overs to 22 unders. Not only was that by far the highest undermark in this conference, it was tied for the third highest undermark in all of college basketball. The only two teams that played a higher percentage of their games to the under last season. The Austin Peak Governors and the Eastern Illinois Panthers. And Eastern Illinois broke 62 points in one Division One game last season. Both of those teams were in the Ohio Valley Conference last season and still are this season. So that sort of tells you where the offense was at. But I do think that it is going to be a very intriguing season out there. They're in the American. So let's get a look at all these rosters with our good friend Mike O'Donnell. He does amazing work over at ESPN. Also does a terrific job of taking a look at things for CBS as well. He's going to be joining me next. We're going to be running through all these rosters and all that we saw in the offseason with this conference next year on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Gibbs Peterson. Now part of the Houston Family and Podcast, the American Athletic Conference Preview Edition. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Las Vegas with discussing with myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. And it is the American Athletic Conference Preview Edition. And we get this guy on every single year for this conference preview because he does, in my opinion, the best job of covering the American of anyone that you're going to find in all of college basketball. And as a matter of fact, he does the best job of just being able to cover one conference like this among pretty much anyone that you're going to find in all of college basketball. It's Mike O'Donnell. He does a terrific job taking a look at the game of college basketball over there at CBS Sports and on ESPN. And then if you take a look at his Twitter feed, at MOD, the number four, and then the word three all together, does a great job with a lot of his video breakdowns as well. He's someone that played the game, so he's able to give a little bit of a player's perspective while doing a great job of being able to break it down. And Mike, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was a big-time introduction, Greg. I appreciate it. That's so kind. I always appreciate you, my friend, and I say it because I mean it. You do a great job of taking a look at this conference, a conference that I do think they, we've got a pretty clear top two. We'll hit upon those teams towards back half of this, but I'll give you a team that I'm looking at in terms of number three, and that's the Temple Owls. Bringing back Khalif Battle, I think, is massive for this team. He was very limited last season, a single-digit amount of games played, but was able to put up over 21 points per contest. The big issue for Temple last year was just their ability to not be able to shoot the three, and I think that Battle coming back in the fold for that backcourt, he is certainly going to be able to help on that front. Temple has been able to do a nice job of being able to mix and match in terms of the front court as well, and I do like the fact that they're bringing Kerr Junkic, who comes in from northern Colorado. He was able to put up right around nine rebounds per game. 
And Shane Dizoni, who comes in from Vanderbilt, he's a former top 150 recruit that I think is also going to help this team out in terms of three-point shooting. I take a look at this Temple team, and I think that there's a lot of people sleeping on them because I think when it's all said and done, they've got a good shot to make the NCAA tournament. Well, they will definitely be, I think, a bubble team. And a lot of it has to do with a couple of the guys you mentioned, Khalif Battle being one of them. But when you look at this lineup for Temple, one thing that stands out is if they're healthy, and that is the huge key. They went through a ton of injuries last season, especially to Khalif Battle, who ended up missing the majority of the season. Multiple players in their starting lineup coming off the bench. It was honestly just one of those situations where it's out of your control. Aaron McKee did not have his guys. He never had a consistent lineup because of how many injuries they had. But this is a fantastic backcourt that Temple has. You mentioned Kaleef Battle. Before he was injured, he was averaging 21 points a game. If that name kind of sounds familiar, he started his career at Butler. But he was averaging 21 points a game on almost four rebounds. He is a stud and will probably be preseason first team all-conference in the American. He is really, really good. And Damian Dunn is his backcourt mate. Damian Dunn picked up a lot of the scoring slack. He wasn't known as a scorer coming into Temple, but he had to when Battle went out. Ended up averaging about 15 a game and also close to three assists as well. They're really good guards. And if you look at that, Damian Dunn, Khalif Battle, that third guy, Zach Hicks, who's a sophomore who played about 20 minutes a game last season. He averaged about eight a game. It's a big three-guard lineup. Damian Dunn, 6'5", six, Kaleef six, Battle, 6'5", Zach Hicks is 6'6", six, six, and they operate in the ball screen exceptionally well. And if they stay healthy, that's arguably a top three, top four backcourt in the American Conference. They also get Jamil Reynolds, a transfer from UCF, who adds some more size. You mentioned the other transfers coming in. I mean, obviously, I mean they did lose some, right? Jeremiah Williams is gone. Jake Forster is gone. Ty Strickland's gone. Plenty of returning talent, though. Nick Jordan, who I thought had a fantastic freshman campaign. He was one of the top rebounders in the American Conference as a freshman and became one of the top defenders as well. If the backcourt is healthy, you're absolutely correct, Greg, that this team, this team and this backcourt has enough talent to be knocking on the door somewhere in the bubble. And you mentioned it with Reynolds coming over from Central Florida. So let's take a look at them now that they are going to be without him. And with Central Florida, they are going to be returning just one of their top five scorers from last season. But they bring in a big man that is very familiar with the conference and Michael Durr. Durr is someone that was over at Indiana last season, a seven-footer that didn't see a lot of minutes. Two seasons ago, he was at South Florida, though, put up right around nine points, eight rebounds per contest, and he was able to make 79% of his free throws, a rarity for a big man like that, and who I think is going to be a key for this team. Six foot nine, Taylor Hendricks. He was the number 64 rated freshman, according to 24-7 Sports. I think that that is going to be massive, along with Brandon Suggs. He enters from within the conference after he put up 10 points, right around two and a half assists per contest. Ethiel Horton is going to be able to help out with some of the three-point shooting that you lose from guys like Brandon Mayan and company and C.J. Walker, a guy that I know that we both have talked about as well. He was a former top 75 recruit has come in from Oregon and year in and year out as they would do a better job. I do think that there's question marks with regards to the backcourt, but I do think that there's a lot of raw talent, especially with a guy in Hendricks who is a top 100 recruit. Yeah, I'll give you two things right off the bat that they have and one thing that they just do not have right now. Uh, the first thing that they have is they have a point guard and leader, a true point guard and leader, and that's Darius Johnson. He was a freshman last season, ended up getting a ton of looks in the starting lineup. 
second half of the season, averaged six a game and also three assists and three rebounds, was just average at the three-point line, but was a great steady hand in the backcourt, pairing him with Darius Perry. He was more of a scoring guard. Darius Johnson was a freshman team in the American Conference, and he's got the keys to the engine of Johnny Dawkins in this offense. The second thing that they have is size and length. UCF is big. You mentioned Michael Durr, seven-footer from South Florida. Lahat Tion, transfer from Utah, six foot ten. CJ Walker, six foot nine. Taylor Hendricks, freshman, six foot nine. They are big, they are long, and they are athletic. UCF absolutely has all the tools defensively to be a top three, top four defensive team in the conference. The one thing they don't have is perimeter shooting. They don't have that one guy that's been a knockdown three-point shooter. If you remember the last couple of years, you had guys like Darren Green, Darius Prairie, Brandon Mahan, three of the top 10 three-point shooters in the American Conference, all gone. Brandon Suggs, transfer from ECU, is going to hope to fill some of that void. You mentioned Ithiel Horton. He's a transfer from Pitt. He shot almost 38% from three at Pitt. He's a very capable three-point shooter, but they really don't have that guy, Greg, on the offensive end that is kind of that lockdown shooter, late-game situation, end-of-shot clock score. They don't really have that. They're going to be a very formidable opponent. There's going to be some question marks on the offensive end, but I think the defense is going to be stellar. If they win games, it's going to be 55-50. to It's going to be that kind of gritty-type season for UCF. Yep, they're going to be looking to play some good defense down low. And, well, when they were able to play great defense down low with a guy by the name of Taco Fall a few seasons ago, they very nearly knocked off Duke in the NCAA tournament. So they're going to be looking to try to recover that blueprint here. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Mike O'Donnell, does an amazing job covering the game of college basketball and does a great job on the front of the American as well. And then the team that I think is just so fascinating because I think that there's going to be a wide range of results for them. That'd be Cincinnati. I absolutely love the hiring of Wes Miller from a few seasons ago. The big thing for them is that they just couldn't get any offense generated last season. 334th in the country in road two-point field goal shooting percentage. 281st in the country in three-point field goal shooting as well. But I think that Jeremiah Davenport is just a big key for the team as he was able to put in there right around 13.5 points, 5.5 boards per contest, shot 36% from three. They bring in a pair of big-time transfers. Rob Fennessey, and it just did not go well for him at Indiana. His usage went down, down, down. If he could just find his just footing in this offense, it's going to be big for him. Along with Landers Nolly. Nolly was able to have a very good freshman season at Virginia Tech. Just didn't feel like he was necessarily the world's greatest fit at Memphis. Now he comes back into the fold. They do lose a few pieces from down low last season, but they bring back Odie Oguama, who I think is going to be able to do a solid job after he saw a dip in production last season. Kalu Azikpe comes in from Old Dominion as well. Cincinnati needs to just put the ball in the basket a little bit more. You know that the defense is going to be there. That's a big question, though. If they're able to knock down threes, this could be a team that really surprises a lot of people. If they shoot the same way from three as they did last season, could be a little bit of a disappointment. You were really high on Temple, and I understand there's a lot of cause from optimism with Temple, but as high as you are on Temple, I'm that level for Cincinnati. I think three teams from the American Conference are going to go to the NCAA tournament. Houston, 
Memphis, and I believe that third team to be Cincinnati. I think they're that good. Probably one of the most underrated scoring guards, not just in the American Conference, but in the country, is David DeJulius. He was a pick-and-roll mastermind last season, was absolutely surgical, manipulating defenses in the pick-and-roll. If you haven't watched David DeJulius play, they run a lot of pick-and-roll action for him, and he really is surgical with that thing, uh, manipulating pick-and-rolls. Average just over 14 a game. That kid can really play. You mentioned Rob Finisi, transfer from Indiana. He's right. He'll probably be inserted into that starting lineup as a starting point guard. I think he's a great complement to Julius, who's more of a scoring, attacking guard. They have Jeremiah Davenport back. Every team in the American Conference wants a player like Jeremiah Davenport. 13 a game, five rebounds, an incredible amount of energy. But Landers Nolly is a huge key for the Cincinnati Bearcats. You remember Landers Nolly started his career at Virginia Tech, was a great scorer in the ACC, transferred to Memphis, kind of was good, but never really exploded at Memphis like a lot of people thought, primarily because Memphis just had so much individual talent. He's going to be able to get out and run and transition and knock down a ton of shots. And he's a redshirt senior. I wouldn't be surprised if Landers Nolly has the type of third-team all-conference type season in this offense. And you still have a lot of guys off the bench. You mentioned Zeke Pay from Old Dominion. He's going to come in. Micah Adams-Woods had some really big games last season for the Bearcats. He's a junior, averaged eight a game and three assists off the bench. This is a really good team, Greg. I'm very high on Cincinnati. I think they position themselves, especially not just with some of the freshmen coming in and, and, and obviously DeJulius coming back and Davenport coming back. But that addition of Landers Nolly, I think, is a huge deal. I, I think it's enough to take Cincinnati back dancing. And when Cincinnati is good, the game of college basketball is good for it. I think they are on the verge of being back. It has been a few years since Cincinnati has been that force. And I do think that there's a lot of upside with them. I think the big key is, can Landers Nolly be able to find that form that he had towards the beginning of his freshman year at Virginia Tech? We shall see there, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people are going to be a little bit more down on this team, and it's not quite the same Wichita State team that we saw many, many years ago, and they were a one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they do return just two players back from last year's team that scored at least a point, but Craig Porter is Mr. Do-It-All, a guy that shot 34% from three, three and a half assists, over a seal and a half, five rebounds per game. They did a good job of being able to address their three-point shooting woes with bringing in Kobe Rogers, an all-Metro Atlantic performer that shot nearly 43% from three last season. I think Xavier Bell could be someone that is going to be able to do a nice job. And then under the radar, Jaquan Walton. He was rated by 247 Sports as the sixth-best junior college transfer in all of college basketball. He comes in from Shelton State CC, and I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job for the team. And then James Roas. Played some meaningful minutes for Alabama down the stretch last season, bringing a seven-footer in Quincy Ballard. And I think that it's going to take a little bit of time for Wichita State to mesh. I could see them getting off to a rough season, but I could also see this being sort of that moniker team where you just don't want to face them in the back half of the season because if the chemistry gets clicking, these guys have a lot of talent. It's been a kind of weird couple last two years for Wichita State. Greg Marshall's situation was very difficult, right? And Isaac Brown came in and quickly stabilized a very rocky situation with the firing of Greg Marshall, and in which that first year, Coach Brown was coached there in the American Conference. Since then, they've kind of been right up and down. They've been, been very inconsistent. 
And Wichita State, really known for their lockdown defense, I don't know if you can necessarily say that they had that in the last year and a half. But if you if you listen to any interview with Isaac Brown, you're going to say, we got to get back to our DNA. Our DNA is defense. You win championships with defense at Wichita State. That's what we do. And this lineup, it can do that. You mentioned Craig Porter Jr., right? He's been a staple of the program. I do like guys like James Rojas, Colby Rogers, Duran Pierre, who's a transfer from Southern Miss, averaged about 10 points a game, three runs at Southern Miss. Southern Miss has a really good lockdown defensive culture. I think he's going to fit in exceptionally well. I'm a huge fan of Kenny Poto's game, the sophomore. He was in and out of the starting lineup last season. I think he has a tremendous amount of talent. Needs some help on the perimeter to kind of open up space. He's a big guy who actually works really well in space, pick and pop and pick and short roll. Not quite sure what this team is going to be, and I'm not giving you a fake answer here, Greg. I just think there's so many unknowns. You kind of alluded to it. They're going to have to win games with defense early because I'm not quite sure who the guy is on offense, not just to score, but to essentially, you know, officially run the show and be Mr. Consistent. I don't know who that's going to be yet. I'm not sure Coach Brown knows who that's going to be yet. It's Wichita State, so they're going to play hard. They're going to be physical, and they're going to rebound the basketball. That will always keep them in games, but it's going to take them, I think, a while, really half of the season before we figure out who this Shockers team is actually going to be this season. And you mentioned that Wichita State most likely going to have to win a lot of their games on defense. Well, that is the MO for South Florida. Out of 358 D1 teams last season, they were 358th in terms of three-point shooting percentage. I certainly think that Tyler Harris is going to be able to help out with that because let's call it what it is. You really can't go down in terms of your three-point shooting from there. But he's going to put up nearly nine points per contest. Shot 39.5% from three, 89.5% at the free-throw line last season. So that's going to be able to help out. A little bit of question with Russell Chaywai. I know that he was having some visa issues, could not get back from Cameroon until September. But Jameer Chaplin is someone that I think has some upside. And the guy that I really take a look at is Keyshawn Bryant. When he was at full force a few seasons ago at South Carolina, he was putting up 14.5 points, 5.5 boards, 1.4 steals per contest as a six foot six. A little bit of a do-it-all player. Last year was a little bit down for them. He is going to be pairing up with DJ Patrick and Sorrell Smith Jr. as well. A pair of guys that I think are going to be able to make some good contributions for South Florida. Even with Tyler Harris in the fold, I do think that three-point shooting is still going to be an issue for South Florida. But you can bank on this, that the Bulls, they're going to be very, very tough on defense. And this is not a team that you want to face off against. Even if there are wins to be had against South Florida, just still not a fun night at the offense facing off against this defense. No, it, that's Coach Gregory's MO. Is it's always going to be defensive sounded every single time you step on the floor. Nothing easy. That's just that's South Florida basketball. That's the way Coach Gregory coaches. I think it's going to be a little bit different this season. I'm not saying it's going to be drastically different, but I think the way they play defense is going to be different. I think they're going to play faster. I think we'll see more press. I think we'll see more trapping. I think we'll see more opportunities for steals and gaps and transition opportunities. One of the reasons why they were really struggling on the offensive end is because they just never turned anybody over. They didn't have the type of speed and athleticism to get out in passing lanes, press, create havoc, and get some easy buckets in transition. That didn't exist. You've got speed now with Tyler Harris. I'm going to go out on a little bit of limb here. I think Tyler Harris is in for a monster season, an absolutely monster season. There isn't a single player on South Florida's roster that can hold a candle to him on the offensive end. I think he's going to have the ultra green light. I think they're going to play faster because of him, not just in spite of him, but because of him. And you got to remember, too, he shot 
39% from three at Memphis still. I mean, he could still knock down he, a guy who can get really hot and give you three, four, five threes a game when he gets rolling. I understand size is an issue at five foot nine, but this is South Florida team that I think is going to be much improved. Do I think they're going to be fight for fifth or sixth place in the conference? No, but I don't think they're going to be a bottom feeder this season. I do believe they're going to be fighting in the middle of the pack because Tyler Harris is going to have the green light. Nobody has seen that type of offense from South Florida before. They're still going to be sound, but I think they're going to play faster. A lot of athletes now. You mentioned Keyshawn Bryant from South Carolina. If he's 80% of what he was at South Carolina, he's going to be a force in the American Conference. This this is an interesting South Florida team. Everybody's going to talk about how bad the offense was. I've watched Tyler Harris play a lot. I think this changes the entire trajectory of South Florida's season. And I think he's going to go ballistic. I don't think he's going to average 25 a game, but I think he could average 16, 17 points a game in this offense. He's going to have the keys to go. I think they'll play fast and try to turn you over. I think it'll be a much better season for the Bulls. I'm in agreement. I've got South Florida avoiding the bottom two. I don't have them in like my top five or anything like that, but I no. do think that there's yeah. an uptick here for South Florida as well, especially because we do have a pair of teams that they've got coaching changes in this conference as well. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Mike O'Donnell who does a terrific job of being able to cover the American and just all of college basketball. And for Tulsa, I do think it's going to be a little bit of a rough season for them. I like Eric Conkle. He did a very solid job over at Louisiana Tech the last few seasons. And by the way, a man that actually began his life out in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So we like those guys on this podcast. But that said, he brings back Sam Griffin. Sam Griffin, 14 and a half points, seal per contest. He was terrific. But I think that we're both in agreement. Dariah Horn was one of the most impactful players to their respective teams in just this entire conference last season. He's on the fold. They bring in Brandon Benson, who I do like from Chicago State, 14 points, three assists, shot 37% from three. But the depth pieces, not necessarily there. They need someone like a Keyshawn Embry Simpson to really step up after he was limited due to injury last season. They bring in a couple guys via the transfer portal especially by the junior college ranks. But I think that this is going to be a relatively rough year for Tulsa. This is the building blocks for the next four or five years. There's one thing you've got to understand is when Tulsa win games this season is because Eric Conkle is just out coaching the opposing team's coach. He has been one of the most underappreciated mid-major coaches in the country for the last four years at Louisiana Tech. He averaged over 20 wins at Louisiana Tech in the last four years. That's really, really, really hard to do. You are right. Jariah Horn, 16 a game, seven rebounds a game. That's a lot of production. It's hard to replace that. But also you lose guys like Darian Jackson, who averaged 10 a game. Ray Adowu averaged eight a game. And this is this is going to be a work in progress. Sam Griffin is good. It gets you 14, 15 points a game, almost two assists. You mentioned Betson. He's coming over from Chicago State, who averaged 14 a game at Chicago State and three assists. He did shoot 37% from three at Chicago State. You know, questions at point guard. Anthony Pritchard, sophomore, average four game last season, shot less than 20% from three. This is going to be a serious work in progress, but they're going to be sound. Eric Conkle's programs, regardless of talent, is they're going to be sound on the defensive end, and they're not going to turn the ball over. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of wins for Tulsa this year. I think it, I think it's going to be building blocks, but I don't think when you line up against Tulsa, you can say it's an easy out at all because his entire focus is going to be playing with intentional maximum effort while not turning the ball over, and he's going to add in pieces over the course of the season. There's not a lot of just individual talent that wows you. 
this is going to take some time, but I think it was a tremendous hire by Tulsa getting Eric Conkle because he recruited unbelievably well. Remember, he's the guy who recruited Kenneth Lofton Jr., one of the best mid-major players in the country last season at Louisiana Tech, found him diamond in the rough who didn't play AAU and turned him into a borderline All-American. He was having put up that kind of stats at Louisiana Tech. Eric Conkle can recruit. He can coach. It's just going to take some time for Tulsa. Totally agree. I think that this was a tremendous hire that Tulsa pulled off. I think that Eric Conkle does an amazing job of coaching. It would be unrealistic to think that this team is instantly going to be going to the top of the conference in season number one. It's going to take a few years, and he's looking to find guys that are not just going to produce in 2022 and 23, but beyond that as well. And I feel like East Carolina is sort of in the same boat. They bring in Michael Schwartz. He was a Tennessee associate coach the last few seasons. And I think that this was a good hire as well. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to bring in a couple guys via the transfer portal as well. And one of the biggest things is actually a guy who's going to be returning. Winston Tabs has played in just 12 games the last three seasons. So that has been an issue. When he's been out there on the floor, he's a guy that's able to put up double figures. He's able to shoot it from three. But we've been asking the question of health with a few guys in this conference. I mean, this is really exhibit A because if he's able to stay out there, that's going to be able to help them out. Brandon Johnson returns after he averaged right around five rebounds per game. And then Quentin DeBonjay, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, he comes in along with Mr. Schwartz from Tennessee, a former top 175 recruit from 2021 should be able to add a little bit of size for the East Carolina team. Relatively bare bones when you have a coaching change. A lot of guys leave via the transfer portal. I think it's a good hire. But once again, much like Tulsa, it's going to take some time for East Carolina. I totally agree. Very similar. The X factor is Winston Tabs. Can he actually stay healthy, right? He was a Boston College transfer. Didn't play last season. He just needs a series of knee injuries that basically wiped out his entire season. And it's kind of almost sidelined for most of the summer as well. So if he gets fully healthy, the taps is good. I mean, really good. He'll have the ball in his hands a lot to make plays. They get a few transfers. A lot of it, a lot of this is going to be about the development of the freshman. Elijah Jones from Mount Zion Prep. Valentino Pinedo, he's from Sunrise Christian, a big time high school program. Sunrise Christian. Pinedo's good. Zagsby Sunderland from Flint High School, another freshman. They're very optimistic about the young talent. But like you said, what is that actually going to do? Can Winston Tabs be healthy? If he's healthy, East Carolina is going to be in a lot of games and will try to bring along the freshmen as well. But they lost so much talent, right? Tristan Newton averaged almost 18 a game. He transferred. Brandon Suggs, not, yeah, he transferred to UCF. Vance Jackson is gone, who averaged 13 a game, and J.J. Miles. So they lose scoring, three-point shooting, and leadership. So they're really young, and they're hoping to rely on one guy to pour in 15 to 17 points a game in Winston Tabs. This is going to take a lot of time. I will say, if you talk to anybody in East Carolina, if you talk to the coaching staff, they're really, really high on those three freshmen. And I think we're going to see, if any bright spot we see from East Carolina from those freshmen, that's what the coaching staff at East Carolina is going to try to build over the course of time. This is not just a one-year rebuild for East Carolina, but let's call it what it is. This is not a program that is super rich in college basketball pedigree. They're looking to build something. And I do think that with the regime change, it is going to be able to help out East Carolina. I think that they're on the right track, but it's going to take a few years for them. As you're yep. me on the podcast, we do have Mike O'Donnell, and then we've got one other coaching change at the conference, but – this is the team that I see being able to win games right away, and that would be SMU. I thought that Robert Lanier was a terrific coach. 
He did an amazing job with a Georgia State team that last season. They just dealt with everything between injuries, COVID, you're able to go down the line. They still made the NCAA tournament. And they were down by like one point against Gonzaga with about 10 minutes left to go in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So that shows yep. how he can coach. Now, SMU loses a lot. Zach Natal is going to be back after he had about seven points, three and a half fours per contest. But this team did an amazing job in the transfer portal. Xavier Foster, I know that he was dealing with things off the court that he has now been cleared, unfortunately. He's a seven-footer that's able to pop threes. They bring in Keon Ambrose Hilton. He was a former top 150 freshman for the class of 2020. Samuel Williamson was a consensus top 35 guy, someone who's able to do a solid job on the glass. He was just a part of a Louisville team in which, I mean, everything just went down the toilet bowl with them. Effie Obadiji, he was the top scorer at Troy last season. Ricardo Wright is able to shoot it from three-point range. It's going to take a while for these pieces to be able to meld together, but I think that Rob Lanier is going to be able to do an amazing job with SMU, and I think that SMU, just based on talent alone, they're going to be a team that you don't want to play in February and March. Yeah, I agree. Ricardo Wright, right, transfer from Marist, averaged almost 14 a game at Marist. This is another guy that I think you should really keep your eye on. Someone that you really need to pay attention to when you're talking about SMU is Zach Nadal. He was Southland Player of the Year, where he averaged 20 a game, and he didn't really find his rhythm playing next to and behind Kendrick Davis, which, you know, for obvious reasons, you have to understand that Kendrick Davis is arguably, you could make the argument that he is the best overall point guard in college basketball, transferred to Memphis, and is going to be probably player of the year in the American Conference. He's that good. But there's a lot of return. If you look at the returning talent, Zerk Phelps, they were really high on him as a freshman, had a decent freshman year at SMU. Zach Nadal, Jefferson Kalubali, Jalen Smith, Ricardo Wright, that's a pretty deep stable of guys that could be really great on the defensive end. We've seen the last five or six years SMU pride themselves on kind of an open concept offense, free-flowing, very rhythmic scores mentality type offense. This is a team, I think, when you mentioned the coaching change and the way that Rob Lanier coaches his teams, I think we'll see... A very good SMU team, but I think we'll see a different kind of SMU team. I think this is going to be a physical, gritty, potentially even full-court press, denial, get-out-and-passing-lanes type SMU team that we haven't seen for an extremely long time. I think SMU wins games off their defense, but I think offensively the huge key is can Zach Nadal reset himself back to where he was Southland Player of the Year where he's averaging 20 a game? I think he's got a lot of talents. He had a high usage rate before he transferred, and I think the ball's going to be in his hands a lot. It's going to be really interesting to see how Rob Lanier uses him because I think his talent is off the charts. He just played behind you know, one of the best top three point guards in the country in Kendrick Davis. So pay attention to Zach Nadal, but also pay attention to the way that SMU plays defense. I think this will be a much different type playing team that we've seen from the Mustangs. And you mentioned it with this being a little bit more of a defense-oriented team. Lanier did a great job of being able to shape up that defense at Georgia State as well. And while he was at Georgia State, he was replacing the man that is now coaching at Tulane. And Tulane is a team that I find to be very fascinating because you bring back the two Jalens, Jalen Cooks, Jalen Forbes. They combined for 34.5 points and three assists per contest on 38.9% three-point shooting. Forbes added in their three-and-a-half assists per contest. You were able to get some good rebounding on these two guys as well. The one question that I've got with Tulane is depth. RJ McGee, 
He was able to get 10 starts last season. He was able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. Someone like a Braley Albert, I think, is going to need to lend a little bit of depth after he spent two years at Vanderbilt and was primarily a defensive stopper. But I like what I saw out of someone like a Sion James, who was able to lead the team in assists and steals last season. It's going to be very important for Kevin Cross to be able to help out on the glass as well after he was able to do a nice job as a combo player. Being able to expand maybe that rotation by one, I think is going to be key for Tulane. Finding that guy that's able to just lend 20 minutes, be able to give you five fouls, give you some good defense. But I do think that with Tulane, the wheels are certainly turning. Ron Hunter got the team to 10 wins in conference last season. I think that they could take another stride forward this year. I think Tulane will be in postseason at the end of this season. I don't think they'll be in the NCAA tournament. But I could absolutely see Tulane getting to the NIT, which would be a huge win and a very capable win for Ron Henner. He inherited a program that was really in a bad spot. And this is his fourth season. And I think this is a perfect kind of jumping off point for them to get to the NIT. I I think the timing is right. Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes might be the most potent offensive backcourt tandem in the American Conference. I don't know about the best I think if we're just talking offense, it's probably the most potent offensive tandem in the American. Jalen Cook averaged 18 a game, Jalen Forbes 16 a game, and then you pair him with six foot five point guard Sion James, who is a really, really fun player to watch. The big thing with Tulane, and this is it, they're going to score. They are going to score in transition. They're going to score in the half court. They're going to score in baseline out of bounds, off of sideline out of bounds, after timeouts. They are going to score. But their defensive rebounding rate last season was 272 in the nation nationally per Ken Palm. This is a team that they've got to figure out how to rebound, protect the rim, and lock down points in the paint. Because that was a huge problem for them. They're not big and they're not physical. So they have to disrupt you on the perimeter. If they can be just 15 to 20% better rebounding the basketball... Tulane could finish in the top five in the American Conference. That's how good Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes are. That's how good this this Tulane team can be. If it's the same type of rebounding and defense, they probably finish middle of the pack. This Green Wave team has all the offensive talent in the world to finish top four in the conference. I am really high on the Green Wave this season. I think we could see them in the NIT. And it's hard not to root for a guy like Ron Hunter who just lives, breathes, and you could tell he just loves to coach basketball and coach these young men. And uh, it's, a, it's a really fun team to watch. If you haven't watched them, I would encourage you to pop on ESPN and watch Tulane play. They're really fun to watch. They certainly are. And in all three years that Ron Hunter has been at Tulane, the win percentage, it has gone up and up and up. And I think that's going to go up once again this season. As you mentioned it, I mean, you just will never find a better moment in the NCAA tournament than Mr. Hunter falling off the sw- Duel after his son hits a big giant three. Um, yeah, one of the all-time best. Yeah. Yes, sir. And you know what is the best? The two teams that we saved as the best for last in terms of this podcast preview of the American as well as let's hit on Memphis first. I think that it's very clear that they're the number two team in this conference. It's been a little bit of an interesting offseason for them because I know that there was a little bit of hubbub with Emmanuel Acott. He decides that he's going to be going to Western Kentucky as, instead. They do bring in Jamari of Franklin late. I do think that checking in on his status might be a little bit intriguing because he comes in in more like September, which that's very strange in terms of transfer portal. But we know that this guy is going to be out there. He's by far the number one transfer in all of college basketball, and that would be Kendrick Davis. 
Kendrick Davis, familiar with the conference. He's able to put up massive points, 18 and a half points, four boards, four and a half assists, steal and a half contest. He shoots threes. That is massive. But what I think is big is getting DeAndre Williams back online. He had a rough start to the 2021-22 season, was able to finish a little bit better. But this is someone that at six foot nine, legitimately in his first two years at the college level, was shooting about 45 and a half percent from three-point range. Really like Malcolm Dandridge as well. And then I always do my best with this name, but Kedorichi Okobiandu Ihogo is going to be coming in after he actually led all of college basketball. He was at UT Arlington a few seasons ago in terms of block shots on a per-minute basis. During the 2020-21 season, a 68.5% field goal shooter last season. This is a Memphis team that they have really went away from going with a bunch of one-and-done guys. They've got a lot of experience. And what I've always felt like they've been lacking is that point guard. Now they've got it in Davis. Oh, they got it, right? Uh, Kendrick Davis, you can make the argument he's the best point guard in college basketball. Memphis went to the NCAA tournament last year, and they advanced to the second round. They're going to go back again because they've got Kendrick Davis. This offense and this defense and the way that Coach Hardaway coaches, this is tailor-made for Kendrick Davis. Uh, He's a pro. uh, He's a potential national All-American, and he's going to take the Tigers back to the dance. And absolutely, this is a Sweet 16-type team for Penny Hardaway. It's interesting that this may not be from top to bottom his most talented team in terms of recruits and transfers, but I think it's, this is his best team that he's had. This is his fifth season at Memphis. We could talk about Kendrick Davis Jr. all night long, right? Uh, all day long. But if we move on beyond our, you know, All-American, mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple guys, but one that you didn't, didn't mention enough, in my opinion, who I think is going to be inserted into the starting lineup right away and have an immediate impact and even a potential all-conference type player, is Keontae Kennedy. It's a transfer from UTEP, and he is an electrifying six-foot long senior guard, averaged 14 a game, six rebounds as a point guard at UTEP. He has the ability to get hot and get hot quick from three. He is a mismatch nightmare, and I think he pairs unbelievably well with that backcourt of Kendrick Davis, Elijah McCadden, who transferred from Georgia Southern, and Keontae Kennedy. That's a fascinating backcourt. Dandridge needs to be better. DeAndre Williams needs to be better. And you still have someone like Alex Lomax coming off the bench and Chandler Larson as well. This is a very good Memphis team. This is a Sweet 16-type Memphis team, not because they are the most talented team in the world, but these pieces, I think, fit together incredibly well. And this is the best fit as a team from really one through seven that Penny Hardaway has had at Memphis. I like this Tigers team a lot, Craig. They're going dancing again. And don't make Memphis too much of an underdog because the last three seasons, Memphis, the best cover rate in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, for those that are looking at some betting edges, as an underdog, I don't think that many people would lump Penny Hardaway into that fold. But when you doubt Penny Hardaway, he actually comes up quite big in those spots. But this is a team that... We have doubted them for way too long. The two of us have not doubted them for too long, but the entire country has, and that is Houston. They are finally getting the respect that they deserve. The question isn't whether they are the number one team in the American. It's whether or not they should be the number one team nationally heading into the season. I've got North Carolina Gonzaga small sliver ahead of them, but if you put Houston as the number one team in the country coming into the season, I would not argue with you one bit because this team is going to be terrific. Marcus Sasser, Traymond Mark are back in the fold. You bring back Juwan Roberts, who's able to do a tremendous job down low. They're bringing in 
five-star freshman. They bring back Reggie Chaney. Jamal Shedd is able to do an amazing job rolling out the ball. This team has all the pieces to not just make a Final Four, but perhaps win a national championship this season. If you uh, go down the list of head coaches in the country and say, who's done the best coaching job in college basketball in the last five years, I think you would see almost unanimous opinion that Kelvin Sampson has been that coach is Greg, and you're right, buddy. You and I have been talking on this podcast for the last couple of years. Yeah, we think Houston can go back to the Final Four. Yeah, we think Houston can go back to the Final Four the last couple of years. They've been that good. They won 32 games last season. They went to the Elite Eight, and that's almost seen as a down year right now for the Cougars. You mentioned all those returning players. Marcus Sasser, he's an All-American. He's going to be going neck and neck with Kendrick Davis as the top point guard in the country and a potential first-team All-American candidate. Traymond Mark, we saw an unbelievable job from him last season, averaged double digits. Reggie Chaney's going to be really asked to fill the void of guys like Josh Carlton and Fabian White in the post in the front court. Jamal Shedd was such a steady, steady force for Houston. Came off the bench when Marcus Sasser went down and filled in an almost impossible void of filling the shoes for Marcus Sasser. There is a freshman you got to pay attention to, and that's Jarris Walker. A lot of people think he could be a one-and-done player. If you, if you watched Jarris Walker in high school, you would know he is tailor-made for a Kelvin Sampson, Houston-type culture. He's mean, he's gritty, and he plays angry. And he's also incredibly skilled. He played at IMG, and but he potentially be a one-and-done type player. They're going to be able to shoot the three decently well. Marcus Asher shot over 40% from three. You'd like to see Shed be better. He was right at 30% from three. You'd like to see Traymond Mark be better. He was just under 28% from three. Reggie Chain doesn't really shoot many threes, but there's going to be some guys that need to step up to shoot threes. If you're looking for the Achilles heel, there's not many. Defensively, they're going to be a top five defensive team in the country. Rebounding, they're going to be a top five rebounding team in the country. Offensively and defensively, they're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to get to the free throw line a ton. Can they shoot threes at a consistent rate? That might be the one Achilles heel. Sasser can, but who's that other guy? That's going to be the one big question mark for Houston as you get into the postseason. Yep, we're like trying to pick out very, very little things with like a super bottle right now. With nitpicking, nitpicking. Yep. Oh yeah, big time. That is exactly what we're doing. This is going to be an amazing team, but not as amazing as your analysis, my friend. Mike, you do amazing work taking a look at the game of college basketball. I know you're going to be on all sorts of calls this season for ESPN, CBS Sports. You do a great job with all of your video breakdowns on social media and other platforms. So love the good people at home. Just what's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, thank you for that, Greg. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, MOD for three. That's MOD, the number four, and then the word three. And I'll be doing some more breakdowns as we get closer to college basketball. And yeah, I'll be on the calls for quite a few CBS and ESPN games this season. It is, it's almost that time. I can, I can smell it, Greg. We're almost there. We are almost there. It is going to be an amazing season. And Mike is someone that truly loves college basketball, does an amazing job of taking a look at Pretty much all things college basketball, but he does an amazing job with the American. I get him on every single year for this conference preview podcast because of just what you heard. He does an amazing job taking a look at all these teams. A big thanks to Mike for joining me right here on Coast Coast Soups. Now part of the Beeson family of podcasts. And coming up next is that time of the podcast. They give you my projector or finish for the American Athletic Conference.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back here, lovely Las Vegas, for Cubs Cuss Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops and now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. It is always a pleasure to get Mike O'Donnell on the podcast. He does an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball, and this man absolutely loves the American. He joins me every year for this conference preview, and always delivers. You just heard it. He did an amazing job taking a look at all these teams. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time of the podcast that I give you my projector or finish 
for the American before I give out my projector or finish. Just a friendly reminder because I'm not doing the news and notes of college basketball from Thursday on the podcast today. I'll be eating upon those tomorrow, so have no fear there. I always do that with these conference previews. So without further ado, let's dive into it. I mean, we were alluding to it with Mike. I think that the bottom two teams are relatively obvious. Number 11, we're going to be going with East Carolina. Michael Schwartz, I think, is a good hire, and he does bring with him, hopefully I'm saying this correctly, Quentin DeBonjay, who he comes in after 247 Sports rated him the number 160 freshman in terms of the class of 2021. So I think that he's going to be able to help out. And you do bring back Leji Debat, who is a seven-footer, who was able to pull in their four rebounds per game. But bare bones for this team. Winston Tabs, when he's been out there on the floor, has been incredible. 13.5 points per contest on 39.7% from three-point range during the 2020-21 season at Boston College, but he's played 12 games over the last three seasons and even if he is out there on the floor, you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. They bring in Jaden Walker. He was able to average right around 2.5 points per contest at Iowa State last season. They did a solid job with her freshman class and sophomore R.J. Felton should be able to help out after he averaged right around five points per contest last season. But anyway, Brandon Johnson with five boards per game last season is really going to be one of your top low post options. It's going to be tough for East Carolina. I think that it's going to be a long rebuild for the Pirates. I like Schwartz. I don't like this roster. Number 11 in my projector finish, it is East Carolina. Number 10 is going to be Tulsa. For Tulsa, I think that they, once again, did a very good job of being able to hire on Eric Conkel, and I think that he's going to find some diamonds in the rough. I do think that within the next few years, Tulsa is going to be a very solid team, but there's just not a lot of depth right now. They bring back Sam Griffin. He was able to average a little bit over 14 points per contest, and Anthony Pritchard, he was able to chip in their three assists per contest, but when you lose someone like a Jariah Horn, who was Mr. Do-It-All for this team, as there was just a complete and utter lack of rebounding with this team, and he was really the main guy that was able to pull in boards for this team, as you had two guys last season that averaged more than 3.2 rebounds per game. Yeah, that's a little bit of an issue. Brandon Betson is going to be able to help out in the backcourt. Three assists, 14 points per contest on 37% three-point shooting. Tim Dolger is able to give you right around five points per game as well, but with Keyshawn Embry-Simpson being all sorts of banged up and being a little bit of Buster Rooney, they need Bryant Selbunke, who comes in from Florida Southwestern, 13 points, 10 boards to just be a complete and utter dominator. Now, JucoRecruiting.com, Adam as the number 36 junior college transfer for this upcoming season, but I still think it's going to be a rough run for this Tulsa team. I do have them number 10 in my projector or finish. And number nine, I'm going to be going with South Florida. Now, with South Florida, I do think that they are going to be a little bit better from three-point range than they were last season, but hard to be much worse than 358 out of 358 D1 teams. There are now 363. So, well, I guess they could go a little bit lower if things really go bad. But Tyler Harris should be able to improve this. 8.8 points per contest, 39% three-point shooter at Memphis last season. Now, what you get out of 7-footer Russell Chewa, I think is going to be intriguing because he was back in his native country of Cameroon. Could not come back into the country until September due to visa issues. Very sad situation. You feel nothing but bad for the kid, but now he's in there. He should be able to help out this bunch. And Celta Miguel I think is going to be able to do a solid job when it comes to defense on the perimeter. 7 points, 4 boards per contest. Last season at Kansas State, he's a current 22% three-point shooter. I mean, the core shot 66% at the free throw line last season. That was 332nd in the country. Has always been an issue with Brian Gregory teams. I do think that Corey Walker could be able to take a few strides forward, and that should be able to help them out a little bit. 
DJ Patrick, Sherelle Smith Jr. These guys combined for 7.5 points for contest. And I like Keyshawn Bryant. Bryant, 14.5 points, 5.3 boards, 1.4 seals per contest two seasons ago on South Carolina. Once again, not a three-point shooter. I do think that Harris himself is going to be able to do a good job of being able to light it up, but with just having a lot of uncertainty with this offense, I do think that it's going to be tough for South Florida to take strides forward. I do have them at number nine in my projector or finish. At number eight, I'm going to be going with Central Florida. With Central Florida, we were talking about it with a Central Florida graduate and our good friend Mike it's going to be a case in which the defense is going to need to be supreme with this team. Now, I do think that they've got a sign of brightness bringing in Taylor Hendricks. He is a six foot nine, little bit of a do-it-all player who, according to 24-7 Sports, was the number 64-rated freshman for the class of 2022. Brandon Suggs should be able to help things out as well. 10 points, four boards per contest. Going to be a lack of three-point shooting for this team. Ithiel Horton, he was able to shoot about 38% from three-point range while he was over at... Pittsburgh while he was at Delaware, by the way, I actually shot 41% from three-point range. C.J. Walker's a nice player. He's able to do a good job down low with six rebounds per contest, but it feels like they just got a couple too many low-post players and not a lot in the backcourt. UMass transfer C.J. Kelly comes in. He averaged 10 points, four boards, shot 35% from three, but I don't know how he's going to be able to handle the step up to the American with Central Florida. Lack of a backcourt, I think, is really going to be holding them back this season, though I do like their front court. I think that they're going to be a pesky team, but not a team that I see pulling off a lot of wins. As a result, I've got them number eight in terms of my protector or finish. And number seven, I've got Wichita State. I do think that Wichita State is still going to be a relatively solid team this season because even though they really only bring back two guys that had any scoring whatsoever for the team last season, I really like Craig Porter. Seven and a half points, five boards, 3.6 assists, one and a half seals per contest, shot 34% from three. But look at what Porter was able to do towards the back half of the season last year. Right around 11 points, 5.9 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 2.3 steals, and 1.2 blocks per contest towards back half of the campaign. So I do think that that is going to be very, very good for this team. Kenny Photo, he was able to average right around 5.5 points and 2.7 boards per contest as a 6'7", a little bit of a stretch player. Kobe Rogers is a 43% three-point shooter and all-Metro Atlantic performer from Siena last season. Jaquan Walton, he is a top-ten junior college transfer in all of college basketball. I do think the three-point shooting going to be better than the 290th that it was last season. And Gus Okafer as well, the Southeast Louisiana transfer. 14.5 points, 6.5 boards, 1.3 seals per contest. They bring in a lot of nice pieces, including someone in Quincy Ballard, who is a 7-footer that comes in from Florida State, Jerron Pierre. He's going to be a nice defender as well, but for Wichita State, I still do fear that they're not going to have enough offensive options to really be a team that's going to be in the top half of this conference. So, as a result, I do have them at number 7 in terms of my projector or finish. At number six, I do have SMU, and I think that SMU, even though I've got them at number six, they could be playing at the end of the year at a top three, top four level in the American because this team has a whole bunch of talent, just a whole lot of moving parts with Rob Lanier coming in. Zach Natal is really the lone guy that returns from last season that gave the team meaningful contribution, seven points, three and a half rebounds per game. Now, I will say they do bring in one other guy that I think is going to be able to help out from last season. He didn't necessarily play a ton, but Zarek Phillips, he was, according to 24-7 Sports, a top 150 prospect from last season. He only had about four points and a seal per contest, but he's a good on-ball defender. He should be able to help them out. Efi Obadiji, while he was a freshman at 
at UTEP many years ago, the 2018-19 season. He averaged a double-double there, was the top scorer at Troy last season. He's got a nice skill set, Mo and G. He was able to average a block per contest at Eastern Michigan, Keon Ambrose Hilton. He's got a nice skill set, was limited due to injury. Six foot eight gentleman that needs to work on his three-point shooting a little bit. And Samuel Williamson, he's not going to be a guy that stretches the floor, but two seasons ago at Louisville in the ACC, he pulled down eight rebounds per contest. Three-point shooting, not currently there with SMU. The defense is going to be, I think that this is a team that is just going to try to eat you up down low. And I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job of it. The backcourt right now holding the back and keeping them in the middle part of the conference. So I've got SMU, number six, in terms of my projector or finish. And number five, I'm going to be going to Cincinnati. In the words of the great Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati. And with Cincinnati, the big key for them is going to be just getting a little bit more offense in general. 334th in the country in terms of two-point field goal shooting percentage on the road last season was Cincinnati, 281st in three-point shooting percentage. Landers only had a career-low 9.8 points and 3.9 boards per contest last season at Memphis, but his facilitation went up, and he joins a team that was 22nd in the country in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis, committed David DeJulius. I remember while he was at Michigan his last season there. He was in the top 20 in the country in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio, a very efficient guard, 14 and a points, 2.6 assists per contest. Jeremiah Davenport, he is someone that's able to light it up. 13.5 points, 5.5 boards, shot 36% from three-point range. John Newman III is able to give you some good contributions. Edie Aguama is someone that was able to, when I was at Wake Forest, pulling their 5.5 rebounds per contest two seasons ago. Lions season down to more like 4.2 rebounds per game. I think that he needs to have a little bit of a bounce back and then Victor Lakin, he is going to need to step up as well. Three and a half rebounds per contest after he had a good start to the season. Flailed a little bit towards back half. And then Rob Fennessy, just a big question mark with him. Shot 41.2% at the free throw line last season. And there have been moments where Rob Fennessy was able to take over games for Indiana. And then he would just make like Casper the friendly ghost and disappear. So I do think that there's a lot of question marks with Cincinnati. If Landers Nolly is able to return to the guy that he was towards the beginning of his freshman year at Virginia Tech. This is a Cincinnati team that could go to the NCAA tournament. And they could have a massive run. Like Adams Woods is someone I like as well. Three assists, eight and a half points per contest last season. But I got my question marks with the three-point shooting for the team. I think Wes Miller is a good coach. I think that he does like some offensive options. That's why I've got them. At number five in my projector finish, and at number four, I've got Tulane. Now, Tulane, a little bit of an issue in terms of depth, but boy, when you've got the Jalen's, you've got yourself a shot as Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, 34.5 points and three steals per contest on 39% three-point shooting last season as these guys put up massive numbers. Kevin Cross is back, six foot eight combo player, 14 points, seven boards, 3.6 assists per contest, led the team in blocks per contest, and the three guys I mentioned, Forbes, Cook, and Cross, they all shot between 77.8 and 79.5% at the free throw line. That's something that you like if you're a veteran. You're laying like four to five points at the end of these games. These guys are going to be able to knock them down. Sion James, he's Mr. Do-It-All. 1.6 deals, 7.4 points, 4.3 rebounds, 3.6 assists per contest last season. Jaden Coleman was able to shoot over 40% from three as a little bit more of a sixth man. RJ McGee, not a lot of production, but someone that was able to be a nice little defensive stopper and was able to see a couple starts. 
Brayley Albert is someone that comes in from Vanderbilt as well. That should be able to help out with the depth as well. I like this two-lane team. I do think that Mr. Hunter, one of the better coaches in all of college basketball, I think that he's doing a great job with this two-lane team. Their win percentage has went up in each out of his first three years on campus. I think that this is the year that Tulane has a winning record and they bust her. I've got them number four in terms of my projector or finish. And number three, this is one of the teams that just the more that I look at them, the more that I love this team and they are one of my fastest risers, not just in the American, but in all of college basketball. How about if we give our O to Lane Kiffin? Go Owls. Temple is number three as they were just 261st in the country in terms of points scored on a per possession basis last season. That backcourt with ravaged by injuries though and Khalif Battle comes back to a core that was 291st in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Battle has played just 18 games last two seasons but last year I was out there on the court 21.4 points, 3.9 rebounds and shot 48.8% from three-point range. And then you bring back Damian Dunn. Dunn, 14.9 points, 4.2 boards, two steals per contest last season. You bring in Jamile Reynolds. He comes in from Central Florida. Six foot nine, little bit of a combo guy. I'd say we'll give you five points, three boards per contest, so he's going to be good. Kerjunkic comes in from Northern Colorado. He was able to pull in there eight and a half rebounds per game. You've got a lot of guys that they were playing more ancillary roles last season that are going to be back as well. I know that Nick Jordan was someone that was being talked up by Mike, and I do agree because he and Julia White, 14 points, 11.3 rebounds per contest, and Jordan 8.4 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.7 blocks per contest in the final 15 games of the season last year. Zach Hicks, he was able to give you 8.5 points, 4 boards, 37.5% from 3-point range. That's a little bit more of a 6th man with 12.1 points, 6 boards, and over 40% 3-point shooting in the final month and a half or so of the season last year as well. And then I do think that one of the more underrated transfers in all of college basketball Shane Dizoni, he comes in from Vanderbilt. He was rated by 24-7 Sports as the number two freshman prospect for the class of 2021 from the state of Pennsylvania, number 100 overall. He shot 56% from three-point range last year at Vanderbilt. Now, small sample size, 14 of 25 overall, but I do think that he's going to be able to help out Dunn and battle. Heisler Miller is also someone that should be able to help put this team out as well as free throw shooting was a bit of an issue for this team as they were 300th in the country in terms of free throw shooting percentage, but I do think that there is an upward trajectory for them. I have got Temple at number three in terms of my projector or fish. At number two, it has got to be Memphis now. It's unclear whether or not to Mary Franklin is going to be cleared for the team or not. He averaged 17.8.6.9 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.3 steals per contest last season at UIC. He transferred very, very late in August slash early September, so the jury's out there, but we do know that Kendrick Davis is in the full rated by pretty much everyone as the number one overall transfer in all of college basketball, rightfully. So 19.5 points, 3.8 boards, 4.4 assists, 1.5 steals per contest while shooting 37% from three-point range. And that is what Memphis has been missing the last few years. And Penny Hardaway, I felt like really turned the corner as a coach. We always talk about players and how they improve as a year goes along and how their career goes along. And the same goes for coaches. You could be a really bad coach in like December January, and I mean, let's call it what it is. Anyone that's trying to say that Penny Hardaway was doing a great job of coaching up the team when they were losing by Murray State as like double-digit favorites, that's not the case. But also, if you were critical of Penny Hardaway, like I very much was on this podcast during December and January, you have to give kudos where kudos is deserved for how the team played down the stretch, and they played very well down the stretch, and that needs to be taken into account as well. You can have it both ways, where a guy can be a disappointment at the beginning of the season, and a nice surprise at the end of the season. 
season. And with DeAndre Williams, during the 2020-21 season, shot 45.5% from three with 12 points, 5.8 boards, 3 in emphasis, 2.2 seals per contest. And saw those numbers dip last season. I think that he's going to be able to gas it back up. Alex Lomax made 23 starts last season. He was able to give the team four assists per contest. Probably going to be playing a little bit more off the ball this season. And then Kerorichi Okabandu Ihogo. He led the country in blocks on a permanent basis during the 2020-21 season and had 2.9 blocks per contest and a little bit over 20 minutes per game while being able to shoot 68.5% from the floor. That is exactly what Memphis needs down low. Malcolm Dandridge is back for this team as well. Memphis, I think, has all the goods to be a top 25 team when it's all said and done. I've got them number two, my projector or finish, and number one in this conference. I mean... How do you go up against Houston with the Cougars? This team has all the goods. I personally have them as a very close number three nationally. I've got Gonzaga and UNC out of them in terms of my overall rankings. But, I mean, if you put Houston number one in your preseason rankings, I am going to have no qualms about it. Any of those three teams, I think, are deserving of being a number one team at this point. They bring in Jarrett Walker. He was the number 11 rated freshman by 24-7 sports. He's got good versatility. He's able to guard multiple positions. That is really going to be able to help them out. And then you've got Marcus Sasser and Traymond Mark. Sasser shot 43.7% from three-point range, making 3.83s per contest with 17.5 points, 2.6 assists, and 2.2 seals per contest before his season was shut down a little bit early. Mark was a double-figure scorer with 1.4 seals per contest as well. That fortifies a backcourt that they did have a few moving pieces, but you bring in Juwan Roberts, who played big minutes for a team that is going to be losing their top three players in terms of rebounds per game. Roberts was able to average right around five boards per contest, so he should be able to help out with Walker down low. Reggie Chaney is someone that's able to give you shot blocks, and I know that the lone trepidation that our good friend Mike had with this team was Jamal Shedd, and the fact that his three-point shooting is not terrific, but I mean, man, this guy is absolutely amazing at being able to dish out the ball. 10 points, 3 boards, 5.8 assists, 1.6 steals per contest with in the final 17 games of the season, more like 12 points, 3.5 boards, 6.4 assists, and 1.4 steals per contest. For a team that ranked 12th in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, this is a team that you know that they're going to be playing absolutely amazing defense as they've ranked in the top 15 nationally in points allowed on a per-possession basis and opponent's three-point shooting percentage each of the last four seasons. Houston is perhaps the best coach team in all of college basketball under Calvin Sampson. They are my number one team in the American, and they're my number three team nationally. And that will wrap things up for the American Athletic Conference Preview Edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to get Mike O'Donnell on for the American Preview Edition. He does amazing work at ESPN, CBS Sports, and just an amazing college basketball analyst. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Janet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. News and notes and conference previews for college basketball getting set for the upcoming season here in the offseason once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I will chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.